0: Hello and welcome to another week of Coin Talk, the most exciting Libra show on the entire internet, bringing you all the content that everyone else is afraid to. I'm Aaron Lammer. Uh, I will be joined shortly by Jay Kang. We're brought to you in partnership with Medium, who have told me that all of the Libra related content is outperforming anything in the entire Medium system. So, Uh, We're bringing you the uh, third consecutive week of Libra mania here. Let's (laughs) hear that music.
1: This episode of Coin Talk was taped Tuesday, July 2nd at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Bitcoin price index was $10,484. Hello, Jay. Are we actually talking about Libra?
0: I've got a few things to say about Libra.
1: All right, all right. Wait, you—you trying to
0: censor me, bro?
1: No, was that yeah? Was that thing you said true? Does is is Libra content outperforming everything on Medium right now? That is true. I like. I told
0: our friends at Medium, hey, you might really want to push this Libra episode because I think we broke some new ground. We're out in front here, and they're like,
1: oh, we know. We Libra has been like going crazy in the medium system. It's That's all over the front page. You know, like how, uh, Thomas Friedman, the famed columnist for the New York times has that thing where he has several columns that start with him talking to a cab driver. I, I would that...
0: almost describe that as Thomas Friedman's style. Okay, yeah.
1: So like, you know, this, the idea that
0: I think it's an important to note
1: cab driver driving you either to or from the airport. Okay, yes. Um, <laughs> The point being that there is like a power to anecdotal evidence that actually is, you know, kind of specious and dumb. Sure. I will say anecdotally, the cab drivers from the airport back and forth in my life who are, you know, just people that I know who talk to me about Bitcoin from time to time, they're pretty excited, not excited in terms of like they are very excited that Libra exists, but they are very interested in Libra. And they've asked me a lot of questions about it. And so... It seems to have penetrated in a way that is beyond just Facebook announcing something that they're doing, because these people would not be necessarily that interested if Facebook, for example, was like, hey, we're going to drop an iOS or something like that. Not an iOS, but like an operating system. They
0: did do that. They made that Facebook phone, which was like their own blend of Android, and it like flopped horribly, and you've never heard of it again.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I have an anecdotal story about that, too. Which did is, you buy the Facebook phone, Jay? No, but uh, the guy who now runs Instagram, Adam Masseri, he and I knew each other back in San Francisco. like we ran in the same circle of friends. And he's like, a, I, I, like I had no problem with him back then. but I will say that like he did the Facebook phone and then he was in charge of news Feed before the election. And now he's head of Instagram. And I bet there are a lot of things that he does very well. But I'm just saying that in terms of like a resume, <laughs> like it's not really the, it just seems like that at some point, like you're just like, well, look, these two things have been massive disasters and now you're head of Instagram.
0: I think I'm, I'm so used to giving countertakes on this show. I'm just going to get like a, it's like a knee jerk reaction. I can't not countertake that. If you look at the run, not including Facebook phone, but of newsfeed to Instagram, Newsfeed is maybe too much of a success. Yeah. It like effectively like addicted the world to self-destructive loops. I mean, just in terms of doing your job, depending on what you look at as your job definition, a robot who was supposed to do the job of designing Newsfeed would be like Adam Masari. genius (laughs) Very good at his job. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I don't doubt that
1: Um, And I I do think he probably does feel bad for some of the excesses of it although I did see that when um, Chris Hughes who you know was one of the co-founders of Facebook and uh, very famously had a Facebook phone like stint as the owner of the New Republic. Uh, you, did you see the op-ed? He already wrote, wrote a long op ed about how Zuckerberg is out of control and they need more regulation yeah. and uh, maybe antitrust stuff needs to come in and help break them up. Um, I did see that Maseri like on Twitter like tweeted at Chris Hughes saying like, hey, you know let's talk about this. Like we all think there needs to be change, but I don't know if your solutions are the right ones. and they're like, who does that, you know? Like, obviously, you did that so people could see it. You clearly can contact Chris Hughes (laughs) in other ways. It's a little bit of like Brian Armstrong's open letter to the guy who asked to borrow him money. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's like when I tweet at Elon Musk, you know, and I'm like, did you invent Bitcoin or whatever? Like I'm just doing it so other people can see it. I don't expect Elon Musk to like give me any sort of answer. Anyway, that was the last I heard. Is there about a it.
0: sports analogy for what's going on in technology, which is a bunch of people who became millionaires and billionaires? who've already come through the door, being like, hey, I think we should close this door behind behind us. In fact, I, I don't think this is a good idea anymore.
1: Well, a lot of the people who started Facebook have done that, right? So, the like, Chamath Pilatapaya, right? Like, he was one of the people who worked, I think, with Sheryl Sandberg to monetize Facebook and helped a lot with its growth. He also is, like, an avid poker player. That's the only reason I know about him, but... Again,
0: not surprising.
1: These are all skills that a robot or a person are approximately (laughs) equally good at. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, He came out and said that Facebook was bad. And, you know, the guy who designed the iPhone, I guess, uh, not Johnny Ive, but somebody else, he came out and said that the iPhone was too addictive. And, you know, my sense is that with all these people that after they say that there is like a big fucking band waiting behind them and like a bunch of confetti cannons. And then once everyone pays attention to them, they just go boom, you know, and here is my product that will solve the things that you don't like about the last social network. And for the most part, I've been, you know, that, that is proven out now with Chris Hughes. I don't think that was true because I think Chris Hughes probably really does believe this. And
0: I think, I think a lot of these people really believe it. I just think that, people who argue things when they have no personal stakes anymore like are inherently less convincing it's a good piece of viral content yeah. but i don't necessarily think that facebook is going to get regulated because like a few people oh, know, no, New I York don't times op eds no. uh, i'm like i sort of look at facebook almost like bitcoin where i'm like yes i personally object to it but i wouldn't want to bet against it uh, i don't think i would take the one year like how long do we think it's going to be till libra comes out well, I
1: mean, there's an if, right? Yeah.
0: Well, I want to talk about that. Yeah. But let's just set the the over-under here. Uh,
1: two years? Two years. Okay, yeah. let's say in
0: the two-year window. So a person who's truly, truly short on Facebook, you could take out a two year, just short Facebook stock for the next two years. And that could make you a lot of money. I hear a lot of people saying, you know, the, that was a Trumpian statement, but uh, I uh, on crypto Twitter, <laughs> yes? okay. certain pretty respected people who I consider... Somewhat sober-minded, um, have said, Libra will never come out. I've it's heard all that a too. ploy. Regulators are never gonna like let it happen. It's kind of a like way that Facebook allows the government to regulate certain parts of it and stop them from doing something, so they can continue their core business. This yeah. is all a feint. This is all. Um, this is all a stunt, basically. And the reason why it seems so ill-advised is that it is ill-advised, it's never going to come out. I do not agree with this take-it-all. I think so Libra like seems pretty like, well-designed. It's like a false
1: flag or something? Yeah,
0: that they basically... like They're already predicting the government response to it. There will be a negotiation. As a result of those negotiations, Facebook will withdraw Libra or in some ways potentially sever itself from Libra. So I can definitely see a future... Whereas regulators call for the breakup of Facebook, they're like, we have divested ourselves from the Libra project.
1: Yeah, I I guess that makes some sense. Like, so basically, they created like a boogeyman and uh, they're being like, hey, US government, you know, all the things that were bad about us, like, you know, this thing is even worse. And then the US government's like, cut that out. And they're like, no. And they're like, cut that out. And like, okay, 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 we're going to cut this out. But let us slide on all the other stuff. So it's just a negotiating tactic. It's almost like if I was like, Jay, we're going to have to amputate one of your limbs. Yeah.
0: And you were like, I just grew this new limb. It's really maybe the most important one. Yeah. Like, it might be even a bigger deal than Instagram. Yeah. I'd sure hate it if you cut off this limb. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it would be much more damaging. It's a very
1: strange analogy, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we're not afraid to go there. Show. Yeah. Third limb amputation. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I don't buy that. And I also don't buy the like, this is such a bad idea. It's not going to come out. It's poorly thought out thing. I don't buy either of those takes. Everything I've seen of Libra seems very real, very well thought out. And as if there's actually going to be a product. The only thing that gives me a little pause is it's sort of weird to like announce it now for two years from now release Like, this is Facebook. It's going to take you two years to make a crypto? People do this in a few
1: months with a much smaller team. Why is this a two-year project? They just cut and paste from other things. Uh, Well, I imagine that the two-year project is mostly going to be lawyers negotiating with the governments on regulation, right? Right. And the, the thing that I've started thinking about it is that it is essentially two separate projects, and it's helpful to think about it as two separate projects. The first is the consumer product that you and I and other people here in the United States could potentially use, which is that like, if I wanted to buy, for example, on Instagram, the uh, leather-bound version of Chuck Palahniuk's Fight Club, which I still get ads for. I'm just going to (laughs) say this. If you
0: listen to the show... And you appreciate what Jay does. Buy him the leather-bound <laughs>
1: Fight Club. It's like clearly and, he wants that. It. It's one hundred and sixty dollars. It's basically
0: like think of it as a two-year subscription to the show on Patreon. Uh, except instead, you get Jay the leather-bound Fight Club signed by Chuck
1: Palahniuk. Okay, so I have a I have an update on that. So for the listeners who didn't listen to the episode, whenever we discuss this, uh, there is an Instagram ad that I guess a lot of your pe- other people that you know get. Oh, um, uh, I'm
0: just me actually. Okay.
1: <laughs> it's like a, it, it's, it's from a book publisher. What they did is they make these leather bound gilt versions of books that maybe shouldn't ha- be leather bound. And wh- the one I keep getting is Fight Club. And the funny part about it is that. There's a man who takes it down from the shelf and the man looks like this like miserable fifty year old man. Yeah, it's kind of like man. a sad,
0: repressed looking dude. It does <laughs> seem like someone who fight club might like free them.
1: Yeah, like he might join a fight club. Yeah. I will say they have replaced all the sad parts of that. Oh. And really? so maybe they listen to the show. See, I
0: thought what had happened I thought this through and I was like, why is this video so sad? Like I was screen grabbing it and trying to capture it for posterity, and I was like <laughs> Well, they probably like do like a hundred different leather bound volumes. They do. And this ad. Has to universally apply to all of them. Oh, it so can't you think be they Fight Club swap specific, it out, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. the same ad is like probably playing through like
1: uh, Richard Yates books or like Graham, and yeah, <laughs> Graham Greene, The Quiet Americans. And I, but so, yeah. I think
0: that, I think that is a company that makes sort of newfangled releases. Yeah. So I'm like trying to think like what out like if Fight Club has one, what's L- like, like another like book that Lori Lori Laurie, you think-
1: Laurie Moore's like Birds of America or something like that. Yeah.
0: Wild, maybe <laughs>
1: yeah, <exactly. laughs> a signed leather bound, Gerald love, Cheryl Strayed uh, edition. Why did I mention that? Oh, okay. Like, if you think about int- uh, the one layer of Libra, which is like, I want to buy that book, yeah, and I want to use Libra as a payment processor essentially, instead of having to enter my credit card information, I'm just going to send them some Libra. That's one of the projects, and the other one is like, you know, the whole world banking, the unbanked and interstate commerce yeah. or, i'm sorry inter international transactions and remittances and everything like that and i think that the first idea can definitely be regulated by the united states government in a way that will be thoroughly uninteresting and will probably end up somewhat in facebook's favor right like yep. who cares they've already partnered with all the credit card companies and so it's not like you know this is a disaster for the credit card companies The second one, I just don't know how they're going to regulate that away. You can regulate it out of specific countries, right? Like, so France might regulate it out. Germany might regulate it out. But, you know, that's not the entire world. Like, what if the Philippines, which has, I think, like 140 million people? You know, it's almost half the size, like 40% of the size of the United States population. What What if they let it go? You know, like, that's a huge win for Facebook. And so it's almost better if some of these countries ban Libra,
0: it'll be like, oh, you can't get Libra in your country, bro. (laughs) 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 Oh, you don't have Libra? Libra. (laughs) Yeah. I Uh, thought I could just pay for the hostel in Libra, bro. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be exactly like that. There's going to be hostile deals going down.
1: Basically, we conceive of all things in terms of international commerce in the hostile academy.
0: Well, I'm going to say that historically, this phantom, like, when you can't use Venmo situation that's actually come up in my life the most, has been traveling in a developing nation in a place that has limited ATM access needing to get the cash to pay for accommodations. And in some places in the world, PayPal is used for that. Like I've to the front desk. At some places, they don't have PayPal. Where did they, you PayPal the front desk? Uh, I've PayPal the front desk in Southeast Asia.
1: Oh, really? Or, yeah, wow. Like in Cambodia. Is that recently? Yeah, uh, no, it was years ago. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, but I've also been in Nicaragua in a place where it was like, they had to write down the details of my credit card, run like the weird pink paper thing and then put that on a boat down the river where a bank would process them all at the end of the week (laughs) and this is a place that has cell service so it's not like there is no connection it's just simply no one wants to do that transaction for them
1: yeah yeah and there hasn't been an update of infrastructure but if the update of infrastructure is just the cell phone then it doesn't matter i'll even tie this story up full circle
0: that place i was staying their website is a Facebook page. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this could be these kind of payments actually can be like built like directly into things like hotel economies.
1: Yeah, so that, but that that's why I think the two need to be separated. You know? Yeah, I agree with that because like one is a very simple idea that is not that interesting, and the other is a huge idea. And for the people who think that the huge idea is a faint and the little idea is. The real the real thing that they want to do that might very well be true like we have no idea what Mark Zuckerberg and whatever the guy who David uh, the guy who said David Marcus David Marcus yeah we have no idea what they really intend out of it yeah but I would say that I think that the reality of it is going to be that the second idea the bigger idea is the one that ends up being much more powerful I agree. and the idea like who cares like I mean like if I want to buy that Fight club leatherbound Fight club, I don't care if if I link my credit card to Instagram or if I use Libra like it makes no difference to I me. I use PayPal linked to like dozens of sites right now. Yeah, yeah. So it would just be a competitor to a crowded market. The other one is basically in the same vein that Facebook in a lot of developing countries has become the internet, you yep. know, like it, it could become the money. Anyway, we've discussed this many times. So, I think it comes out I think it comes out on time.
0: There's a lot of Facebook things that can fail. I could be totally wrong about this. It feels to me like the the success of this one is actually pretty indicative of Facebook's future.
1: Like, did you ever think, for example, that the Facebook phone was going to be a big hit? I, I never did. Remember when they made the ESPN phone? I do not recall that. You don't remember the ESPN phone? Okay, so it was, like, around the time of Sidekicks, you know, so there was no iPhone yet, and... <laughs> It was like a flip phone that would, uh, every time something happened in sports, it would give you like the dan dan ring, and then like you could open your phone and then it would tell you what the score (laughs) is. It was fucking terrible. But uh, Facebook phone came around that time where it was just like, you know, there were all these, like people were trying to make phones that were completely dialed into one service or another. And obviously it didn't really seem that promising because she's like, well, I can just go to Facebook on my phone, you know? But yeah, this, this seems like a much bigger idea. I, I, I would have a hard time seeing it fail too.
0: I, uh, I have one final thought on Libra before we move on. I feel like all of these tether doomsayers out there are refusing to give Libra its due. I keep seeing these people being like, oh you guys. The Bitcoin rally had nothing to do with Libra. It's just because of an infusion of te- of Tether. The narrative that Tether's behind every Bitcoin movement, there's like literally no piece of news that can sway people from this view. I could be like, "Wow, Apple's building a Bitcoin wallet into everyone's phone." I'd be like, "No, Tether."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see any of that, but oh, yeah. it's been
0: all over the place. Well, and it's I- also been reported
1: are you like following a lot of tether doomsayers probably yeah probably too many honestly and then
0: I do see like like I think uh Larry Sermac, who works for the Block, is one of the people who's kind of like they're people like there's no evidence for the idea that like Libra pushed the price at all it's like yeah there's no there's no real evidence about this tether stuff also they're all like poorly understood I agree that all of these things are probably affected. like it is possible that there's more than one input yeah. in the market. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it doesn't necess- It doesn't mean that even if the market's manipulated, there's still things happening in it.
1: Well, shockingly, people in crypto tend to have a hard time figuring out that things aren't mutually exclusive and there isn't just one option. And I appreciate- that everything is not a zero-sum game.
0: I actually appreciate, like, I know that the TA guys get a bad name, but I feel like the TA guys are effectively able to just be like, market stuff. Yeah, like Libra, Tether, whatever. Yep, those are all like news items, and then there's an overall like market going on. And to bring this to our next point, it seems like the markets, guys, when and and men and women, uh, when we hit about thirteen thousand, there was a pretty collective screech. Uh, I think like Mike Novogratz was like, "I sold thirteen thousand and something, and I wish I'd sold even more."
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I read that story. Mike D- is a really interesting guy.
0: He's one of the few people who's like just calling all of his trade, like actually calling his trades in real time yeah. rather than being like, oh, we did 2,000% over the three quarter. And, you know, it's like he could have made
1: that call. And then Bitcoin could have shot up to 20,000. He also seems to have like of all the rich guys that I follow, which is not that many, but, you know, enough. Like uh, the guys who are just billionaires and who did it all because of a hedge fund or whatever, He seems to have figured out how to be a rich guy pretty well. You know, like, he, like, goes to NCAA basketball games. He's super into wrestling because I guess he was a wrestler when he was younger, and so we're we talking
0: about like WW. No, yeah, no, talking no, about like, wrestling, uh, like uh, Greco-Roman wrestling. Yeah, like Olympic wrestling. Oh, okay, you okay. Know? And so he. If goes, you told me that Novogratz was really into pro, like no, into, I, I would be like, so, whoa, so, yeah. I'm Like now I really like him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And then he has a, you know, he seems he seems pretty liberal in terms of his politics, and gives money and. He seems really into Alexandra or (laughs) Ocasio-Cortez. Like he has all these weird, he has all these political ideas that seem like totally all over the place. And I feel like that's like how you should be a rich guy. You know, like you should just be like, well, I don't care. It's just whatever comes to my mind that I support, I'm just going to support. I I found myself liking him much more and more. I mean, not that I ever disliked him, but I did like that move where he was just like, Bitcoin 13,000, man, that is the top and i sold i sold most of my bags and honestly like i'm stuck bag holding the rest of these and i'm pissed off about it. We called that. He also called that he was rebuying at 10,000,
0: which we hit today. Oh, he so said he, that. So if he if he uh held to his word, he's now back all, all the way mostly in i think at 10,000. I think he's fascinating. We've made fun of him on the show before. Oh, well, I
1: mean, because I met him, yeah. Yeah, well, you so, met him,
0: and, you know, like, anyone who's out making, like, big price pronouncements in public yeah. is just, like, inviting abuse upon their good name. Yeah. But he feels like, of all of the whale, like, the big traders out there... He feels like he approaches Bitcoin the most similarly to how you and I do, which is sitting there doing runs and crashes like with our finger over the mouse. Like, should I sell? Oh, 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 I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could kind of see him basically thinking it through and being like. 13,000 too rich for my blood. I'm out guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: Exactly. And then it falls back to 10,000 and he's like, Oh my God, if I don't get back in now, I'm never going to see 10,000 again. And he's clearly trading
0: Bitcoin because he's interested in Bitcoin and because it's fun for him. It's almost like he needs to trade so many hundred million dollars to make the whole thing real and fun for him in the way, same way that we felt like we needed to have real money in the game, not very much money, but probably too much money for ourselves in order to feel like we were really in Bitcoin.
1: I'm curious about those guys, though, like the super rich guys who are in a Bitcoin before, uh, not the guys who got rich off Bitcoin, but the rich guys who got into Bitcoin. Yeah. And then got- Totally, mo-
0: two totally different social classes. <laughs> yeah, really, so, really, is. Not the same parties.
1: <laughs> so the rich guys who got into Bitcoin and then got even richer- Yeah. I wonder how much money they lost uh, in investing in blockchain technology companies, because that that meme, as we say, is like pretty much run its course. I know that there was news out that came from a cryptic tweet, but that everybody understood that. IBM quietly, remember, uh, we did like four shows on the IBM You're blockchain commercials. You're saying these
0: guys were ball deep in IBM blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what does that mean? They were trading IBM? Again, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. I mean, IBM blockchain laid off pretty much its entire staff. Oh, okay, okay. So it doesn't really exist, which is interesting because about a year and a half ago or two a year ago, the only messaging out of IBM was, hey, we're doing blockchain now. Blockchain is the future our thought was always that if you went to IBM and you went into their blockchain division there'd be three people, it, it it would be similar to my and maybe I shouldn't say this because uh but you know the place that I used to work where they would have like everyone who works on the actual thing in the basement and then they have like four really attractive people in the lobby and that you just you would see all these like marketing people come in You're talking like,
0: about the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about the New York Times. <laughs> they would would bring
1: like the head of you know like uh procter and gamble's marketing division and they'd be like this is vice you know look at all these young beautiful people and meanwhile there's all these nerds like in the basement slaving away trying to make these tv shows like we always thought that the ibm blockchain would be like that you walk in and are these four dudes like at computers and like you know they're plugged in making the blockchain and in the bottom there's like 30 marketing people trying to make ads for the IBM blockchain. Apparently now all those people are gone. Um. So my... What, so like, you think
0: Novogratz invested, built a stock I portfolio? I don't know if like he
1: that? did. I just know that a lot of these people were investing in blockchain companies uh, at the, t- you know, about like two years ago. And I don't know what has happened to all those blockchain companies.
0: I think if you bought into like Long Island Ice Tea Company, which became a blockchain company using its ticker symbol, you got pretty wrecked. I think if you bought into big block... This is why blockchain was a good idea. For the big companies like IBM, they probably gained stock value during the blockchain run-up. I don't think the stock crashed after they shuttered the blockchain research labs. People just forget about it. (laughs) <laughs> like it's just a thing to say you're doing. A company like IBM has probably jumped on fifty trends over the last
1: twenty years. They're oh, jumping on sure. all
0: of the trends. They're like IBM cloud computing, like like IBM micropro. Like it's
1: yeah, it's just like a media company when they're like we're you know we're starting like yeah uh, we're going all video now. We're doing video. We're doing podcasts, and it's just a way to to make their investors happy for a little bit and to keep them off their back. Yeah, yeah.
0: So. I don't think people who invested heavily in the blockchain got mega wrecked who bought those stocks. I think they did pretty well for the same reason I would just buy like the Facebook stock right now. I think Libra is probably bullish for Facebook. But to your different kinds of rich guys questions, I feel like those kind of rich guys aren't even really buying a ton of stocks anymore. Like I think they want that like... That they're not buying, juice. They're <laughs> not buying
1: stocks, but they were definitely investing heavily in, in blockchain startups.
0: I think there's probably a lot of angel investors who lost money on blockchain startups. That said, the entire nature of angel investing is basically you're gonna like lose ninety nine bets. No, no, and make I agree one. with that. I agree with that. I'm they just... don't. I think they don't even. And they also, I bet a lot of those guys think just like people are holding altcoin bags. Like,
1: yeah, I don't know. Maybe there'll be another blockchain run. I at don't some know point. if they feel that way. Also, the people who are holding the only people we know who are like super holding altcoin bags forever are you and Doug Kim. Everyone Doug Kim.
0: Else- Doug Kim almost was like going to come on the show for the rally, and then the rally ended before we could get Doug Kim <laughs> on. And now he's sad again. He's back to playing poker.
1: Yeah. Well, uh,
0: Jay Jay was giving him like D advice at some poker tournament last night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's at the World Series of Poker. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. any poker. It's a yeah. real poker tournament. Yeah. Doug's uh, uh, said. <laughs> is Doug still holding all those waves?
0: He I mean, he would have told us if he saw. Yeah, that's them. true. He would have told us. If he sold so, them. let's talk a little bit about our own bags right now. If you believe at all in altcoins, we've had like multiple cheap altcoin moments. Like,
1: why are we not just loading up on altcoins right now? Uh, past, like you know, like I think it's a form of like crypto PTSD. Yeah, like we've been burned so many times before. It's caused so much pain for us, and it's difficult for us to engage in the thought of even buying an altcoin. Right. For example, if you made me send money from a hardware wallet to Binance right now, I would just the the entire time that the thing was confirming, I would just be trying to think of all the reasons I shouldn't do it. You know. And then if you're like, "Oh, you should buy an altcoin," I just be like fuck. You know, like I don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. I just think we've been burned too many times and I think we're afraid of it. Well, it doesn't help that a bunch of the
0: altcoin exchanges don't serve New York anymore. Like I got kicked off on all my alt exchanges because I'm a New York customer. Binance too? I was never, I never traded on Binance. I guess I could sign up for Binance. Um, I was a Bittrex trader. So for me, it's funny, like after periods where I was trading stupidly multiple times a week, I now haven't traded for many months. I might never like trade again.
1: Well, so My daughter
0: you, might inherit some Cardano just because of the like weird moment that I s- had to stop trading.
1: Are you going to? Yeah. What are you going to do now that you can't access those things without a VPN? Are you, um, gonna, like, drive you can't.
0: Uh, VPN doesn't help you. It's um, based on
1: the driver's license you in. So what do they do with the coins? Can you take them off? The exchange? Yeah, I have.
0: I have them on another wallet. I mean, the coins are safe. Yeah. I, I have them all. I just don't have any way to sell them back to. Bitcoin or fiat easily. I could I could atomic swap some of them. What do you have? Uh, so I think it's funny. It's it's literally a snapshot of the last day I could trade altcoins. I'm about sixty um, percent Bitcoin, twenty percent Ethereum, and that's all easy to trade in and out of. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I was tempted to tra- to dump everything after thirteen thousand. I was like, don't trade, don't trade. I was like, oh, why didn't I trade? <laughs> um, I've got about 5% Monero, 5% Zcash. Oh, no. And then the rest is split among 0x, Cardano, and a couple
1: others. It's an extremely vanilla profile.
0: Yeah, it's prestige alts.
1: Prestige alts, yeah.
0: Um, And for that reason, I'm kind of like, well, versus selling them to Bitcoin right now, There's a part of me that's just like, I don't know. I'm still betting on the market like doubling. The fact that I'm still in Bitcoin now, I'm gunning for 20,000 at this point. And it does seem, I haven't looked now, but it does seem to have stabilized around 10,000. So the other big shift I've been feeling in Bitcoin, this is probably just anecdotal as well, is the fact that we had this big run, even now that it's crashed back down to 10,000, and I wouldn't be surprised to even see it range down to 9,000 or 8,000. The target is now above the all-time high. Like, if you're buying Bitcoin now, you're betting that Bitcoin is going
1: to go above twenty. Yeah, for 000. sure,
0: for sure. Yeah. Is that what you were thinking when you bought Bitcoin?
1: Uh, oh no, you bought a Litecoin. Okay, so I bought I bought the top again. And... It's amazing
0: that we I, that we, we didn't even talk about this until
1: forty minutes of the show. <laughs> you yeah. buried the lead. Jay did it again. <laughs> I bought the top. I bought Litecoin like one thirty five and Ethereum, whatever the top of Ethereum was, like three fifty or something like that. Did you think Bitcoin was gonna like
0: follow through its swing and run even higher? Or were you thinking that Litecoin and the rest were like behind it and we're gonna run now that
1: Bitcoin I wasn't really thinking much. I had a little bit of money left well, not a little but let's say like a reasonable amount of money left, you know, in a exchange in cash. And I was getting super FOMO'd and angry because people i knew were making money not in just in crypto but also gambling and so because that this i'll just say it was Coinbase. you can only buy litecoin and ethereum and some other stuff oh i see you're just yeah. like
0: give me all that shit.
1: yeah it's like i'm not gonna send bitcoin to Binance and buy a bunch of like garbage all it's just give me give me a little bit of everything yeah in the hopes that something would follow through if there was a huge bull run and you know the only logic i had which was was that yes bitcoin had just gone on a big run and these ethereum and litecoin were far behind it i was like well maybe like if litecoin is at 135 maybe it'll go back up to like 180 or something and i'll sell it or like maybe ethereum will make it all the way back to 500 there was no real thinking behind any of it and now everything is wrecked and uh i think if you just hold you're fine i mean
0: this is always the thing with bitcoin especially if you're buying within like the main thing that i learned from ledger status on the show is unless you really know what you're doing you probably should not buy bitcoin during crashes or spikes yeah but if you're buying into a spike you basically are like buying a contract to say i'll hold on to this if it crashes right now and assume it's going to get back here because it almost like it almost feels like fifty fifty once you're buying it. The like during one of these volatility yeah, moments. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, how many times did we think that the that we were at the top during the run up from thirty three hundred? You know, we probably thought it at six. We probably thought it at eight. We definitely thought it at ten. Well, I
0: quite literally thought about selling my Bitcoin at ten thousand. Didn't sell it. It went to thirteen thousand. I was like, yeah. I was like, I should sell it now. <laughs> Didn't sell it. Now it's back at ten. So I'm actually in the same position I would have been if I had dumped and then rebought at ten. You know, I could buy a rebuy right now at ten. I feel like thinking you're gonna catch it is always like wrong. It's more like, can you stay bi- in Bitcoin through a few cycles? Like we had an 18 month break there to get back on the horse. I think Bitcoin. I not not investment advice here, but I think that if if you can. Hold Bitcoin long enough to go through cycles; it's a pretty good investment. So yeah, as a man who is still underwater, but briefly for a second, like raise the tip of my pinky above water. Really? And, yeah, just just at the top, at the very oh, top. Oh god! Because so yeah. everything was at the top. Like everything, Ethereum was crushing during that run too. Yeah, and yeah. I have yeah. A, you know, but I was losing Bitcoin value the whole way. I mean, we're terrible at trading. Yeah, we should we sh- stop. We really should not trade. L- like, like, what, what have, have we learned? Nothing on this entire show that wouldn't have stopped you from buying, buying, like at the like mid, like mega rally when it's up like fifty percent for the week already.
1: No, no, there, like nothing could have stopped me from buying that Litecoin. I hate Litecoin. Yeah, like nothing going to stop me from buying Litecoin. <laughs> it's just
0: crazy. You were trying to talk us out of buying at the Kang line.
1: I know. And wow. then
0: you're buying at four x the Kang line. I'm not criticizing you. I'm just. I'm just staring at awe and how little we could have learned. Yeah, we learned nothing. And it's not <laughs> to not indict myself. I didn't dump when I knew I should, and the reason I didn't buy any more is because I don't have
1: any more money to put into crypto. <laughs> Otherwise,
0: yeah. I'd be buying ten thousand.
1: Right That's now. always your problem. Is that uh, it's and, kind of and my saving and grace. It's also a blessing. Yeah, I just yeah. I'm
0: I'm in. Yeah. are uh, and I and now at this point, since I didn't sell at thirteen thousand. I'm in. T- I want to see at least twenty thousand. All right. I hope that happens.
1: One last thing: Have you been following Craig Wright's trial at all? Oh, I thought we were going to talk about this at the beginning of the show, but yes, yes, it's been pretty incredible. T- tell the listeners what Craig Wright is on trial okay, for. Okay, so if you haven't been
0: listening to the show for long, uh, Craig Wright, I think we did a lot on him pretty early on, and then we kind of exhausted all of our Craig Wright takes, but. Craig Wright is known as Fake Toshi. He uh, most recently was threatening people on Twitter that he would sue them if they said he was not Satoshi. And he's now involved in a uh, legal proceeding in Florida. So he was business partners with Dave Kleiman. Uh, They mined a lot of Bitcoin together. Dave Kleiman died. Craig Wright allegedly took all of Dave Kleiman's Bitcoin And Ira Kleiman, who's Dave Kleiman's brother, is trying to recover it. There's basically a bunch of disputed uh, money. And Craig Wright has basically told like nine different stories about this. It's kind of the same story as him being Satoshi, which is why can't you produce any evidence in this? So he was caught during these proceedings um, having falsified documents falsified timestamps, like written emails, and then backdated them. Really? Changed timestamps, yes. And so his explanation is that at the time, I think the period in question is maybe 2014, that people at his company were secretly trying to get rid of him and were going in at night on the computers and changing information maliciously to ruin his reputation. It's that hot, hot con man talk.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing that I found interesting was that for whatever reason during this trial, he was asked if he could produce the evidence that he is actually Satoshi, which everybody knows is the keys to the original Bitcoin wallet that has a million Bitcoin on it. And whoever has that key and says they're Satoshi is Satoshi. It's like the sword in the stone, right? Like there's only one person that can pull it out. And you don't have to worry about verifying whether or not that person is actually Satoshi or not. And Craig Wright, in the past, when he was written about, I think in uh, Gizmodo, and Wired, the stories that came out that ended up being wrong that said that he was Satoshi Nakamoto. Wired did back
0: off that story in like 48 hours. They're like, We think we may have been the victims of a conspiracy.
1: No, it's true, but they both got it wrong initially. Yeah, yeah. There's also a giant
0: London Review of Books story about
1: this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Very erudite, Aaron. A good LRB plug on the show. He he was unable to do that, right? Yeah. And during this trial, he finally came out with, like he finally admitted that he doesn't have the keys, which is a new, it's a new development.
0: Yes, although he did put his own weird spin on it that so he still has not actually like accepted that idea. He says that they put him into some kind of a trust in which each year a new one key gets sent out is it's like some kind of ticking like time bomb so that like no one can take the money up until a certain date. It makes absolutely no sense. It's basically like I can't prove I'm Satoshi now, but obviously I'll be able to in 2025.
1: My favorite quote about the, from this trial was that he, when asked, you know, like, well, h- why would you be so cavalier with this amount of money? You know, he said, well, it's too much money, you know, and it would change me and my wife's life too much. And my wife and i talked about it and we don't want our children to have access to that amount of money because we think it'll change their lives and so he basically is saying like i think you he know, probably like, plagiarized I... that statement from bill gates <laughs> yeah exactly he's like listen i'm just doing this for my kids you know that's why i like locked away the million bitcoin for my kids I will say, though, Aaron, that I used to put the odds of Craig Wright being actually Satoshi somewhere around, like, 5%, which I think is higher than most people, right? And the only reason I did that was because I was just like, well, he is crazy, and he's, like, completely unhinged, and he can't produce the keys, and that sucks. But at the same time, like, you know, somebody has to be Satoshi, and we're 10 years in now. And unless Satoshi is dead, right, then it makes sense that somebody would have come forward to say they're Satoshi, and the idea that he would lie about it is crazy to me. Like, you know, that somebody would come forward and lie about it and like have magazine articles written about it and it would all be a fabrication. Like, that also seems crazy to me. And, but after all this, I think I'm going to up. I like, I actually think I'm more convinced now that he is Satoshi than I was before. That is totally insane.
0: I give it 0.000% chance. Really? And everything that's happened around this trial has absolutely confirmed that he is neither Satoshi nor even a person who knows. Like he has revealed a lifelong pattern of the most base level frauds submitting documents to a court in which he changes the date but fails to change what day of the week it is. (laughs) That's how he got caught. This is not a genius. He also, his explanation for why he stepped away from Bitcoin was that he originally wanted it to be a law enforcement tool, but that it had become overrun with people using it for criminal ends, and he wanted nothing to do with those criminals, and it's broken his heart seeing what it's become.
1: Yeah, he said he, This he is was...
0: patently untrue. Craig Wright pursued blockchain patents and all kinds of gaming nonsense. He's business partners with Calvin Eyre, who is the founder of Bodog and was an international wanted criminal for many years. Maybe he still is. I don't know actually what his legal status is. Alleg- he was allegedly <laughs> a criminal. <laughs> he might have been, yeah. This, this, this person's own story about themselves doesn't even make sense. This does not seem like Satoshi Nakamoto. This also does not seem like a person who could keep a secret I know, or but, could not but but he make didn't, massive but mistakes he didn't, that he leave he left keep his track.
1: Secret though,
0: but he, but he, Satoshi's a genius for not making a mistake so that we know who Satoshi is. Craig Wright made like nine mistakes on his legal filings for a case in which he's lying and wrong, and I, I guess it's all theater. Like, during this trial, he's several times broken down crying. Yeah. He slammed something on the, like, a bunch of papers down. The judge said, I'll put you in handcuffs if you he do that definitely again. He
1: had, like, a you-can't-handle-the-truth moment. I just, this does not, like, what part of this person resembles Satoshi? Anymore? Look, I because I don't know what Satoshi is. I'm not saying it's probable. I'm saying yeah. I went from, like, 3% to 5% that he's Satoshi. It's also crazy that he's in
0: elite, he's saying, I don't need money, but I'm... Going to court so I don't
1: have to give back the buddy I took. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, look, it, it, it really is at some point, and this is a question that we've talked about throughout the duration of the show, like how do we figure out what the betting odds are on who Satoshi is, right? Yeah. At some point, if somebody says they're Satoshi and they have the sort of science and math background to actually be Satoshi... And they have some connection to the early Bitcoin people. Doesn't that count for something?
0: Well, I'll agree with you to the extent that if you extend the question to, does Craig Wright believe he is Satoshi? (laughs) I give him much higher odds that he in some way believes he's Satoshi and would make an argument that he is and potentially has some information that could either lead you To think he knows Satoshi or that Satoshi will never like come forward. So, by some sort of Occam's razor, Craig Wright is Satoshi. Yeah, that's true. He's like a 99 one partner with someone in his own mind. And that 99 Satoshi is either dead or never going to come out. And he knows this. And so, therefore, he believes himself legally
1: indistinguishable from Satoshi. Do you remember uh, when Dorian Nakamoto was? being handed by the press the original satoshi account put out a statement that's saying i am not dorian nakamoto yes there's uh, also uh, a, has that has there's that, been
0: a more recent on one of the forums he posted n-o-u-r oh, yeah, and people were that. like what what and it's like <laughs> he may have pocket tweeted or someone may have hacked it although i don't know that's what you'd write if you hacked it
1: it's been hacked before is, is it for nuriel ravini Fuck off, Rubini. <laughs> <laughs> Rubini sucks. <laughs> or maybe, maybe Rubini is Satoshi Nakamoto. I would never know because Rubini has blocked me on Twitter for a long time now. And it's, uh, I was, you know, this is completely off, the, off topic here. But, you know, I got to say that blocking people on Twitter is effective. And I'm not saying that in terms of me being harassed by people who I blocked. But people who have blocked me... I generally forget they exist, and so I stopped trolling them. Like Peter Sagel from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, who I used to troll like twice a day, he finally blocked me, and I have not thought of him at all since then. And so I don't troll him anymore. And the same thing as Nuriel Rabini, who I used to troll all the time, too. How do you know? Like, I, I've, no, I've never knowingly
0: been blocked by anyone. How do you know
1: if you got blocked? Well, because I go back to troll them, and it says you've been blocked. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I've never been blocked. You've probably never been. Why would you be blocked? Your Twitter is totally, like, nice and anon- like there. Yeah, it's don't- like
0: my alts. Vanilla,
1: <laughs> Prestige. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's all it's all zero Self congratulatory, <laughs> pumping a, its own bags. <laughs> it's all zero X and uh, yeah, there's no there's no like weird hot coin or something like that in there. The closest I've come to getting blocked with someone was when
0: I accidentally got into a fight with Jared Leto during an AMA and a bunch of Jared Leto fans got mad at me.
1: Wait, what did you say to Jared Leto? I don't know.
0: He had some quote about creativity. I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He's like, that really hurts me, man. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Jared Leto. <laughs> <Lito." laughs> but it ended well. We ended on good terms. Oh, man, yeah. One other figure that this just brings to mind since I think we need, we're probably overdue for our satoshi power rankings the memoir toshi should have dropped the memoir by now
1: is that hard i thought i thought we called them excerpt. excerpt sorry
0: sorry sorry excerpt toshi excerpt
1: toshi should have dropped the memoir yeah and the excerpt was from the excerpt of the memoir that he was gonna write yeah um, yeah that makes me sad i will say that the most fun i think we've had during this show or at least i've had during this show was during the excerpt toshi period where and for for the listeners, it was a uh, this this website appeared called the Nakamoto Family Foundation, and there was an excerpt from a book from and they the the author said he was Satoshi, and that Satoshi was drinking pina coladas and like watching the world burn, and you know he he seemed like a very sensitive soul, and then there was more there are all these cryptograms within the excerpt, like being like, if you can solve this, then you can (laughs) spy. It was like that movie. What are those Nicholas Cage movies? The National Uh, National Treasure. Treasure. Yeah, it was kind of like that. And Uh, then the book was supposed to come out in January, and now it's July. It's not out. I love the details about
0: his character, where he was like, my mother was in publishing.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And he was
0: like, you probably don't remember me when you saw me at this convention in the Caribbean. yeah. Like, he implied that he was Caribbean.
1: He's right? from the Caribbean, yeah. Uh,
0: I have some bad news though. What? So I did a little little research before the show. Not only did the uh, memoir not come out, the Nakamoto Family Foundation, on which his excerpt was published, is no longer online. Oh, no. In 20 years, the only record of excerpt Toshi is going to be our shows. People <laughs> are going to be writing like the definitive <laughs> 90 volume history of Bitcoin. People are gonna be like, who was this excerpt Toshi figure? He's only mentioned in Coin Talk 27.
1: Bloomberg wrote about it, which I remember made people angry because they're like, why are you giving this any credence? You know, like, why, why would you even give this attention? And I'm like, well, because it's fucking hilarious. There's been one new uh, entrant into the Satoshi sweepstakes, who is Paul
0: LaRue, who our friend Evan Ratliff wrote a book about, not about him being Satoshi. Being a international super villain who is involved in drug dealing and the oil trade and all kinds of online pharmaceutical sales, I'm gonna try to get Evan to come on the show and talk about it. I don't know if he will. He seems a little skittish about exposing himself to the Bitcoiners out there. But uh, <laughs> I think that one's as interesting as one. As long he doesn't
1: say "fuck XRP," he should be fine. Well, the
0: interesting thing about Larue, whether it is actually Larue or not, Larue is a criminal and. Some of the early Satoshi stuff, like I didn't know some of this stuff, like that there was a poker client built into the very first build of Bitcoin. Really? And he is actually in the forums talking about Liberty Reserve early on, which was like a pre-Bitcoin digital currency that was used for a lot of legal stuff. Yeah, mostly money laundering. And Calvin Ayer is another figure from that world who seems to have ties to early Bitcoin. I don't necessarily know... I don't know enough about whether it could be LaRue or not. But I think imagining Satoshi as a criminal gambler instead of, like, an MIT academic might open up some lines of inquiry. I do wonder if one of the reasons we haven't found Satoshi is that we demand that he, like, have this math and science background or that he be a he or whatever, and people aren't totally open to, like, where open source software development actually happens which is in a lot of weird encryption communities that are yeah, mixed between the, does he
1: have a coding background to it, well he
0: invented e4m which is the encryption mesh method like, he's a like famous a famous form of encryption that bitcoin builds upon uh-huh. and is by him so does he have the exact you know well you no, pick but, holes in different parts of his background. But it's not
1: like me or you trying to code.
0: No, no. He was he was a programmer. He uh got his start doing these online pharmacies, you know, running it as basically like a scammy online business. So could that kind of a person have invented Bitcoin? Sure, why not? I mean I, I think you the know, libertarian politics are actually kind of in keeping between those two things. Well, that
1: one is a constant. Yeah. The one thing I would say is that like, uh, I think the reason why people look towards an academic is because yep. of the white paper. Cause he actually wrote a white paper. I agree. But the white paper is not really a traditional white paper. It really does sound like it's somebody who is trying to imitate a white paper.
0: Well, i thinking about not Lou specifically, but the idea that he's like a criminal. I think it's, easy to forget that all this cypherpunk shit was on the very edge of the law. Yep. You know? Yep. Uh, if you were a hacker in 2000, which I think most of these cypherpunks who later became famous were, you were probably breaking the law a lot. Yeah, whether you, whether you had any chance of getting caught or not, you were going places where it was illegal to go. So that kind of a background for someone who creates this permissionless system that like is outside of the reach of government. Uh eh, kind of, eh, kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well we'll see if we can get Evan on the show, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I just I didn't know that I first of all, it'd be great to have Evan on regardless, but I I didn't know that uh, Larue had that much coding background.
0: Yeah, I mean it's all it's I'm taking this all from Evan's book, but um that was one of the reasons people the the reason that this came up was because Craig Wright put a footnote into his filing for this trial in which he said, my help, like I helped catch this international like criminal using my expertise in the blockchain. People are like, what, what are you talking about? And it's like, it's obviously another like Craig Wright scam statement, but it brought, he's talking about LaRue. Yeah. And it brought up LaRue and then LaRue has all these weird connections. Some of which I think you would think are very dubious. Like he has a Congolese passport that's made out to Paul Salachi which sounds kind of like Satoshi.
1: Yeah, that's, I'm But sorry.
0: Yeah. the encryption stuff is kind of interesting. Yeah,
1: it is interesting.
0: All right, see you next week. Yep.
1: This episode of Coin Talk was taped Tuesday, July 2nd at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Bitcoin price index was $10,484.
0: And that was Coin Talk. We're edited by James Nicholson. Thanks to him. Thanks to my co-host Jay. Thanks to all of our friends over at Medium. You can find all of our episodes at medium.com/coin talk. Perhaps you'll want to become a member. It's five bucks a month. It unlocks everything, the whole archives of Coin Talk, tons of other great writing. You can always get in touch with us. Hi at Coin talk.show. <laughs>